I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is John Rankins, founder and CEO at Hermosa Beach. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Well, happy to be here, Jay. <laughs> awesome. So you started out in the Navy, yeah? I did. <laughs> long, long time ago. So you're in the Navy one day, and now you're an international bestseller. You have the sales machine, which is a software as a service selling marketing training platform. You have training programs to help people sell and grow their businesses. How did we get from point A to point B? Well, quite frankly, it all started with the goal and everything in life really starts with the goal. I got out of the military and I just wanted to make money. And the only way I could make enough money to achieve my goal, which was buy my mom a house, was to get into sales. I was an IC electrician on a nuclear powered submarine. And when I got out, nobody wanted to hire me. Those skills weren't relevant. I could fix a central atmospheric monitoring system on a submarine, which the only other place they have one of those is on the space shuttle. So right. I needed to sell, right? And so I got a, an opportunity to go door to door selling. At that time, it was like baggy beach pants. And I would go door to door and sell the pants and make a hundred bucks a day. But the opportunity was more than that. It was about running your own business. It was about accountability, responsibility. And within three months of being in that company, they actually financed me my own office. And I went from Sunnyvale, California to Denver, Colorado. And I started my own sales office there, recruiting, training, retaining, and selling. Well, that, um, that seems pretty fast. Here you are in a submarine under the ocean, fixing mechanical systems and electrical systems. And then you go to get out and you start selling door to door, literally door to door out of a car, right? You go from one house to the next house, you knock on the door, you try to get in, you try to show them your product and sell it. And you actually, within a couple of months, were able to figure it all out. Yeah. Well, you've seen Braveheart, right? The movie. Yeah. Yeah. You hear him at the end say freedom. That's what it was. It was really freedom for me when I got out of the military because I was literally underwater at the longest. It was 91 days. So to get out and to go door to door was refreshing to me. Like Seemed most easy, people, right? <laughs> yeah. Most people were bothered by it. I'm like, I love it. I get to be outdoors every day. And I was making great money. And the, it did, the first week I was like, I'm out. I'm not doing this. But then I really re realized the opportunity was available. And within 99 days, they gave me my own office. And then I started building other people. And then from there, I built, I systemized what I was doing, opened four branch offices, and the company asked me to expand their business internationally. So that took me on the journey of Southeast Asia from India to Philippines, Indonesia, Singapore, working with countries all throughout Southeast Asia, eventually South Korea, Venezuela. And then I started coaching other CEOs or business owners all over the world from meeting them at different conferences. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that point up because the way you talk about now, it was like, yeah, I just did it and it was super easy and it happened so fast. But then you commented saying after that first week, you were like, maybe this isn't for me. So there was some times, right, where 
success didn't happen immediately, but you decided to stick to it and work through it. And that got you to where you wanted to go. Well, nothing was easy. I'll be honest. It was easy having the mindset to be outdoors, but getting doors slammed in your face, having people threaten you. Some days didn't even make money. I remember I was in Oakland, California within the first month and I was out there selling baggy pants and a crackhead came out with a kitchen knife, a huge kitchen knife, like a foot and a half long. Right. And he said, give me those pants. Yeah. I was like, he's after the pants. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I have to, I need this money. All the money I'd saved in the military, I sent home to my mom her house was getting foreclosed on. And then even though I sent her my money, it still got foreclosed on. And my younger brother, I had an RX-7, he totaled my car. So when I got on the Navy, I was broke. Yeah. 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 And so eventually I gave him the pants because I didn't want to, but my life was more important than those pants. I thought that was a joke that you were selling baggy pants. You you actually were selling baggy pants. (laughs) I was selling baggy pants. (laughs) I thought it was a joke for, I don't know what. No, it's a total true story. From baggy pants to calculators to portfolios to watches to stuffed animals. A lot of novelty items when I first began. And uh, we evolved through the years from selling novelty items to then sophisticated products that were like ADT alarm systems. Yeah, that's interesting because you got really great at sales before the internet even existed. So you've seen all the different iterations of sales and marketing from the in-person, all the way at the in-person and the billboards and the newspapers and the magazines, all the way through all many years of technology and ad platforms and all that stuff. So that's pretty, pretty interesting to have that kind of scope of the the same sorts of marketing and sales that work, but through different mediums. Yeah, Tony Robbins, I used to travel with Tony. I traveled with Tony for a year and he said, the greatest resource you have is your resourcefulness. And I went from selling door to door, store to store, to then actually having built sales teams that work in the store and then training in the boardroom and selling in a boardroom, selling one-on-one, one-to-many, And then even I created and designed a course for business owners so that to eliminate a lot of their struggle and allow them to become successful sooner rather than later, because it's painful when you see people struggle, right? But I've been in all of these training rooms, teaching and training people selling software or even supplements to farm animals. And you might think that's funny. But I, I took a company from doing 20 million a year and in one year with 14 salespeople increased their sales by $5 million. So they went from 20 million to 25 million in a year. So that's a big, that's a, a little bit bigger fish to move, right? Yeah. And when I was, they asked me how I learned to sell. And this is in alignment with what you're talking about. And it's all about being resourceful and making sure you're coming from service. And I learned this when I was 11 years old, I was a paper boy and in a little. That's funny. Called- I had a paper route too. I had to get up at like four 30 in the morning. 
<laughs> and the Sunday yeah, paper you... was the biggest one, right? Oh my God. <laughs> Sunday was a killer, man. Yeah. I had brothers. I'm an older brother named Lauren and a younger brother named Jerry. And when I first got the route, they said, yeah, we'll help you out. It's all good. And it would snow. And on Sunday morning, the papers were enormous, right? They're like three to four times bigger. But I remember when I got that paper out, I, I was raised by a single mom. I needed, if I wanted to do school clothes, I needed to sell to make money because otherwise my older brother got new clothes. I got his hand-me-downs. And when I was done with them, my younger brother got new clothes because I would have destroyed them. So I right. was little, right? I was the yeah. middle guy. <laughs> but I remember when I got that newspaper route, I took it over from a guy that had really screwed it up. And they lost tons of subscribers. They lost tons of people subscribing to the newspaper. And then, But when I took it over, within a month, they held this contest right? Whoever gets the most subscribers, you could win a bike, some walkie-talkies, a boat. And there was all kinds of these prizes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to win. And I was in a little market, but I'm like, I'm going to win these prizes, right? And as I went door to door and I kept asking people, whoever was home or not home, a lot of them were like, no, we don't want the paper anymore. It's always wet. No. After about 15, 20 of the same objections, no, it doesn't work. I develop a free offer. And this is was intuitively, I didn't even connect the dots until I'm training these big companies globally <laughs> that the free offers work, right? And the reason why it's always about service. So I let everybody know on that paper route, look, I'm doing a promo for the newspaper. And guess what? Your first month is absolutely free, no risk. I'm going to put it on your porch, inside your screen door. It's never going to get wet. I just handled all the objections up front that they had. And I said, if you don't like it, at the end of the month, you pay nothing. I'll pay for it. And man, I, I just started signing up subscribers left, right, center. I won the boat. I won the walkie-talkie. <laughs> I won flowers for my mom. I won all of these different contest gifts. I gave something away first. That's interesting that you just came up with that. And it sounds like the reason that it was so intuitive for you to come up with it is because you really wanted it. You really wanted it. So you just, you found a way to make it work. Yeah. And I wanted to make people happy. I didn't want it to sell them something and then have them be pissed off at me. I wanted to serve. I, and I knew that if I do something good, then I should get something good, right? Give and you shall receive. Yeah, it feels bad if you sell something to someone and they don't like it and they're unhappy. If that happens, like someone who has some ethics should do what they need to do to make that customer happy within reason. So yeah, that's a very interesting point. I'd rather walk away. Here's some value. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Because, and not every customer is the right one for you or the right one for me. Like, right. honestly, if I can see that I can give you the steps and a formula that will allow you to scale your business, that will be sustainable and scalable, then I'm in. If As long as you do the work, okay, let's be very clear. That offer was a great offer for these people that wanted a newspaper. There was no internet. There's no cell phones. Some of the people are going to know we're extremely dated from this conversation or what? Newspaper, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's no cell phones. Yeah. There's no internet. There's none of that. So people to be in the know, they had to watch the nightly news. And if they work late, they couldn't do that. 
So they grab a newspaper. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Not- there wasn't, we, they didn't, we didn't have access to the information that we do now. Newspaper was one of the main channels. So, and the other good point you brought up is not every customer is for you. And I think a lot of people starting out in the, their entrepreneurial journey, they don't think about that. They just want to sell to anyone and everyone. And I think a lot of people find out the hard way that selling to everyone is not the right thing for you long-term. So you have to find out who makes a good customer for you and where that good partnership is. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just sheer desperation and a lot of people raised in scarcity and therefore they just really want to make a buck and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's also a lot of false profits out there. So I don't even take on clients that don't do not qualify. So I'll send you some resources and I'll gift those to you. No problem. Free. But I don't want to work with anybody that is not vested and qualified. And most importantly, not willing to work. Yeah. Because- and not willing to cooperate, not willing to do their part. And we're the same way. And we learned, of course, I learned that the hard way starting out doing the same thing. Like anyone who wants to buy, I'm like, okay, let's do it. And then you learn that it's not worth it. So yeah, you have to make sure you have a way of qualifying prospects. Yeah. Good stuff. So you became a sales dynamo. You're building sales teams and training sales teams for these various companies kind of along your journey here. And at some point, I believe your next big step was to build a training package, right? For sales teams. Is that how you made that jump from working and managing sales teams to getting into the kind of info Yeah, well, so first and foremost, I was building sales teams for my own companies and in different industries. Like I said, we went from novelty items into telco business. Then we went into credit cards. Then we went into skincare. We went into car care. We went from getting kicked out of the stores to in actuality, now we work in the stores, right? And my mentors, if you go to Costco, and you got those guys working with AT&T, or if you go to Home Depot, the guys selling the kitchens, that's my original DNA. And so I started to build out these sales teams, massive sales teams of thousands of people in Southeast Asia. So I could no longer manage them. So to solve my own problem, I needed to automate it. I was really getting burnt out managing a couple thousand salespeople and managing, tracking, and measuring all of them without an automated system. Like it's enormous time killer. And how did you do it in those days? Like what were you using to manage and track everyone's sales and productivity and the commissions? And what did you use in those days? A lot of administrators doing daily masters on a, a template and a form that eventually became Microsoft Excel. And it was I would check a hundred reports a week of a hundred different offices with on average 20 to 30 salespeople. This is over 2000 people. And you have to manage, track and measure the amount of inventory they have, how much they're selling, what is the runway they have for how long they can sell it versus importing it and setting up the different promotions for the entire year. Right. And long story short, To automate all of it, I went to Salesforce, I went to HubSpot, I went to Zoho, SAP. I went to all these companies and said, look, I need something that's going to help me drive sales performance with this psychology, rewards, recognition, competition, compensation, 
with accountability and a methodology that tracks everything so people know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. So I no longer need to be there. And I want to see the results real time. And they're like, yeah, no, that we don't do that. And I'm like, but you have a CRM. They're like, yeah, it's a CRM. You put in the data. You can track the pipeline, but that other stuff doesn't exist. So to solve my own problem, I created it. And it's called the sales machine. And this is the salesmachine.com. And when did you have this built? When did this launch? Well, in actuality, I built it and I started building it more than five years ago. And then I launched it three years ago, but only internally. I did not build this to be a commercial venture and to go into SaaS industry. I built it to solve my own problems <laughs> with my own sales yeah. team in Thailand, Malaysia, Taiwan, Singapore, Philippines, Indonesia. And then eventually with the partners that I was collaborating with, like right now we're working with the, some guys in Japan, Portugal, Spain, Brazil, Mexico, and Colombia. And eventually we're going to go into the United States. So right now we're just now bringing this to the public. I've seen your logo before, before today. I've seen your software before, because I definitely recognize the logo. And that's funny. I think some of the best software is built that way. I think some of the best software and some of the best platforms out there are built by someone with the internal knowledge and experience and the struggle of not having that product and realizing that there's nothing quite on the market that does what needs, that everyone needs, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because today you're all about the systems and AI and how frameworks and or automation is going to allow us to not only to be scalable, but sustainable because the world is changing faster now than it ever has before. Leaps and bounds of innovation. And you look at what AI has done in the last year. AI has been around a long time. I spoke at an AI conference. I actually got... I spoke with some people from Microsoft there, and I actually received an award for the sales machine software, Innovating Businesses. And in the last year, they were we were at this conference like a year and a half ago, during or almost two years ago, and we were discussing the, the automation and how it's going to change the world because it's going to make a lot of positions redundant. It's not going to replace sales. And I've had this conversation with so many people. They're like, I saw one of your posts, something along the lines of AI will never replace salespeople. Yeah. And it's so funny that <laughs> even if industry experts and leaders talk about it's going to change the way people buy or think. But let me ask you a question Do you 100% trust AI right now? Absolutely not. Yeah. So, and what, and let me ask you another question, a bigger, broader question. Do you think the general public trust AI right now? No. And I think people don't know a lot about AI. AI for in the mainstream is just coming about. People at large are just starting to adopt AI tools and seeing AI tools and chatbots and, and things like that. So human nature is to fear the unknown to begin with. But then again, yeah, people they don't fear the trust unknown. People you hit it on the head. People you don't nailed trust it. People either, though. 
at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you so. nailed it. So the general public doesn't trust it. You and I don't 100% trust it. The leaders of the world, you got the people like Elon Musk, and there's people in several countries around the world that are lobbying regulation because they don't trust it for security reasons. So at the highest level, at the lowest level, even at our level, right, which I would say we all are at different levels, people fear the unknown. Yet when you buy for someone, it's all about know, like, and trust them. So how is AI going to replace great salespeople who come from service, satisfy their customers, and solve the biggest problems? It's not. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't think so. I don't think anyone knows how far AI will go. Some of the biggest followings on Instagram now are of bots that are completely AI generated and they look human and people don't know the difference. There's that and AI is still very new. So who knows, but I would agree that I think AI is definitely going to disrupt the sales market, but definitely not going to replace salespeople. I totally agree, at least not for a long time. Yeah. And we're the conversation is really going to go from at what level of risk people are buying. Because if you're buying low-level items or consumer items off of Amazon or Whole Foods, wherever you're going, and you want the convenience of, I want it tomorrow, I'm out of coffee, or I want these different things, the amount of risk for purchasing these items is negligible. I might buy coffee from an AI bot, maybe. That might be okay. But yeah, you're right. Something with, with a much bigger impact into your life or business, I think the human connection of someone that you can really connect with and get a feeling about it is still very much important. Yeah. Well, it's the level of your investment that you're comfortable with, right? It's a lot different spending $10,000 on something than spending $10 on something. So, and you really don't even need salespeople for that anymore to sell $10 items, $20 items, $50 items, a hundred dollar item. It's not because the risk is so negligible. It's not like I'm risking that much. But when you get into buying a car or if you get into buying an enterprise level software that'll transform your company, this is a different evaluation that's going on in your mind. Yeah, that's a good point. I definitely wouldn't trust trust AI to do those things. Yeah, that's a good point. And this is similar to any new technology. There's a lot of hype. Every time a new technology hits the mainstream, there's this huge hype and everyone wants to talk about it it's a buzz term is clickbait and and the hype very much overshadows the actual usefulness and deliverability of that technology for some time until that technology catches up to the hype if we look at like the cloud technologies and everyone moving to the cloud from the on-premise software it probably took 10 years for the technology to catch up to the hype and now AI is going to move a lot faster, but we still do have that divergence of timeframes where there's still a lot of hype. There's still a lot of fear. There's still a lot of, we don't really understand how well it's going to do things and how fast yet, but it's going to take a little bit of time before I think it's really heavily adopted. But if we look at cloud technology it's taken a decade or 15 years, probably AI is going to be like two, three years. It's just so fast. And that's, I think that's the scary part for me is it's going to happen so fast that it's hard to manage something moving that quickly and how it's going to disrupt things. Like you can't stop a runaway train. People are just going to adopt it because of the convenience factor. And that's human nature too, convenience. Like this tool is convenient for me. It does work really fast for me. So I'm going to use it. 
happens. Like, I don't think we can stop or slow down the adoption of it. I'm definitely glad that people like Elon Musk, like you mentioned, are talking about the concerns of it, the potential downsides, and trying to form some sort of control mechanisms out there. Well, yeah, we all want life to be better, faster, more efficient. And AI is going to definitely add value, enormous value to our lives. And at the same time, it's going to really affect the new generations coming because the enemy of success is comfort. And the irony is for all of us and a lot of us, success is achieving comfort. When we can be financially free and we can finally reach a level of security, stability, financially, emotionally, mentally. When you achieve those things, we call it success, right? But it's really a level of comfort. Yet the enemy of success is actually comfort. Right. And so the only way to develop a lot of certainty and comfort in your life is through ability and actually doing the work. You don't get self-esteem. You can't go to 7-Eleven and say, give me a 72 ounce confidence booster, unless right. it's alcohol, and then it's going to wear out. You've got to earn by learning and then develop an ability to be useful and create an ability to help others. So if you look at what AI can do, and a lot of students now, they can really get AI to do their homework, mm -hmm. get AI to, yeah. to write a thesis. They can get AI to do a lot of different things. But in actuality, it's helping them in the short term, but it's going to hurt them in the long term. Yeah, that's a really good point. You can't buy confidence, right? You can't shortcut self-esteem. Those things that build character, hard work and failure and struggling through things, those are the things that end up really shaping you as a person and forcing you to grow. And yeah, so it's interesting, maybe some of the ease and convenience Maybe people need new challenges because some of the existing challenges like doing your homework and writing a thesis is now much, much easier. So hopefully this will push humanity forward out of their comfort zone, I hope, to achieve more. I don't know. Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think that'll be no. a positive? Um? Less and less going to happen in actuality. And I think it's really going to make a lot of people really stand or to use a better term, because I don't really like the word stupid is make them extremely unresourceful and lazy and make them lazy and the re the result of what they want to accomplish in their life is going to definitely suffer so before i work with clients like i said i don't just take on clients and make offers i want to know you're going to do the work if you don't if you're not going to do the work and or we're going to work together and we agree on a set of tasks that need to be implemented the next time we jump on a call to review and take action and set up the next part of the strategy, if you didn't do the work, we're not jumping on a call because now you're wasting my time. Yep. Agreed. Totally. Do you, for those sorts of calls, do you have a qualifying process? Do you have a digital form they fill out or something to find out if they're qualified to, to talk to you? I do. And it's actually a free resource. So if you go to successmastery.com slash formula, there's an ultimate success formula there. And it's a three-step formula that I created for myself after you said making mistakes or failing. So I, at one point in my life, I was traveling the world as a platinum partner with Tony Robbins and uh, making tons of money, millions of dollars a year. And then one day I went home and I'd lost 
it all. The director took like three and a half million dollars out of the bank, transferred all my assets, blacklisted me from Indonesia. Like the business and the organization I built was taken away overnight. From by who? By partners? By the director of the company. And at that point in time in Indonesia, you had to have local partners. Jeez, you got squeezed out. Well, even beyond that, but that's a whole different episode. So do you still own, I don't know how you're doing it now, do you still own companies that are selling retail? Are you doing e-commerce? Yes, I do. In different markets around the world, I own my own company in America. I own my own company in the Philippines. And the other markets, I use my companies as a consultant base as well. So you're still doing a lot of, and this is retail, like what kinds of products mostly? So we developed a skincare brand called Aqua Plus. So in the United States, you've heard of Proactive Solution. They sell it on TV, a billion dollar brand. They sold it for billions of dollars to, I believe, L'Oreal. We used to be their partner. It didn't work out for us in Southeast Asia. So we developed our own skincare brand and that's Aqua Plus. And that's sold in, I believe, six countries now around the world, $20 million brand. We also developed another brand You have, how many products do you sell? You just sell like a small group of niche products at volume? Correct. But our sales teams now don't just sell products. They also sell services. And there's the Aqua Plus skincare. There's also V Cosmetics, a brand we developed out of France. And that's predominantly for the Southeast Asian market as well. But then we work with telco companies, signing up subscribers or doing cell phone plans. We've worked with credit card companies, acquiring new customers for them. We also do software as a service now. My own sales teams that are actually offering the sales machine to companies to build and scale their businesses. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you have your own kind of niche products that you're selling at scale. You also are selling for other companies from time to time. And then you have your SaaS business And that's interesting because obviously I'm pretty well versed in most of the software out there. You mentioned Salesforce and Zoho and HubSpot and all these. And so, yeah, it's interesting that either A, those products couldn't do what you wanted, or two, maybe it was just too difficult to make them do what you wanted to do. And you ended up trading the salesmachine.com. I work with a lot of high ticket sales outfits, a lot of people selling courses and coaching and that sort of thing. So it's a pretty big part of their tech stack, no matter what they're selling when you're doing high ticket. Yeah. And for me, it was all about the value stack because it's one thing to have a a tool, but it's another thing to have a system. So what is different about from the sales machine and all of the others? So really it's our value stack. If you look at what our technology can do, it's an all-in-one system to grow your sales increase profits and performance of your people. So how do we do that? There's a patent pending smart framework. And a lot of the people I talk to, they're like, oh, so you have a CRM. Well, not exactly, because a CRM is more of just a tactical thing. And instead of being a system to actually grow your sales teams and increase performance, the value stack that we provide is unlike anything else in the marketplace. And that smart framework is about sales, marketing, accountability, retention, and training. Yeah. So I'm looking at your page here 
And uh, yeah, this, I think it's really interesting because one of the issues that I always have our team, when we implement solutions for companies is always the training and proficiency that the staff either has, or doesn't have with the product, but also the system that we build it into. Cause just like you said, a product by itself is not a system. It's part of a system and it has to be obviously configured properly for their use case, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting, the SMART, I like the acronym in the last part is that training part, interactive training, quizzes, assessment certificates. That's so important. And I always tell our clients, like you have to, when you onboard your employees, they have to learn how to use these systems and your software, and you have to make sure they've learned it. The only way you can do that is by assessment and quizzes and that sort of exercises and that sort of thing. And most companies don't do that. And I think that's where one of the major problems is when businesses invest into software and systems is they fail on that last part. So it's interesting. It's built right into the product. I like that. Well, think about it. So like I help entrepreneurs and business owners all over the world and everybody needs more leads. Everybody needs customers. You can have the greatest product in the world, but if you don't have leads, what you cannot sell them. You cannot service them. And for me, sales is service, right? So you can have all the leads in the world, right? But if, or you can have the greatest products, but if you don't have the leads, you're dead in the water. People will buy an inferior product because it's accessible, it's available, it's known. So you've got to have leads in order to sell and everybody needs more sales. But then if you don't have customer engagement or retention, then the customers leave. And if you don't have accountability, no one really managing, tracking, and measuring the performance, you cannot drive performance. Yeah, you have to. I work with so many companies that don't have KPIs and dashboards and actual analytics, and it forces them to make decisions based on mostly emotions and conjectures and things that aren't actual data. So I love the fact that there's a lot of tracking built into it and performance tracking for all the staff. Like in the military, we're training all of the time. We're training all of the time. If you think about it back in the military, it, you've got to be training all the time in the military because if you stop training, then people can die. Your buddy can die, right? On the submarine, we had to learn every system on the entire nuclear powered submarine, everything to know how to isolate in case of an emergency, to know how to fight a fire, to understanding the high pressure systems in the submarine, how to isolate those if something went wrong. Yeah. And they're always making us do drills, drills all the time. The crisis, right? Yeah. That's (laughs) what my friend Brad Lee says. Training is not something you did. It's something you do. And companies spend hundreds of millions of dollars on onboarding people inefficiently And yet they're trained like one or two days and then they're a receptionist or they're a customer service agent and then it's done. And training is not something you did. It's something you do. Yeah. It has to be ongoing. All the time. And so even just having the training system within the sales machine saves companies millions of dollars because it's all automated. So you can do all of your onboarding and your training for the individual based on their role. Yeah, it's a huge selling point. It's so much more important than most people realize. And who do you mostly target? Who is the software built for? What types of companies and sales teams is it aimed towards? Is it just sales teams or the whole company or? No, in actuality. So like you said, 
KPIs and goals. Everybody that uses the system, the first thing they do is go in and set a goal based on their KPI that's approved by the supervisor in the company. So whether you're a customer service agent, whether you're doing marketing, whether you're doing accounting, sales, whatever role you have, your KPI is entered and we manage, track and measure your performance with what you're supposed to be doing. Across all aspects of the business, sales, marketing, accountability, Accountability is the performance built in like a brain of the software to manage, track, and measure what are you training on, what is your KPI, what is your role and your responsibility, are you doing it or not? Because by using the system, doing your normal role, everything is tracked. So your supervisor gets notifications once you accomplish anything in the system, right? And if you're falling behind, they get notified. So And people, when you synthesize them with rewards, recognition, competition, compensation, they'll do the work when they know what to do. What stops people is fear, fear of making a mistake. They don't want to get fired. But if they know what to do, when to do it and how to do it, they'll do it. Yeah. Accountability too. There's an accountability factor of even a good employee might say, oh, it's late on a Friday. I'll fill in my stats on Monday and then forget. But when the accountability is built into the system to where they know they're going to be reported on whether they do or not, that's very helpful too. Yeah. And it's not to police the organization. It's not to, it eliminates people becoming janitors. What do I mean by that? So are you growing your business or are you constantly cleaning up messes? Putting out fires. Yep. Are you a fireman? Well, there's no, there's messes right? It's just janitorial. And then there's, there, and then there's fires where you need to be a fireman. And then there's crime. <laughs> you got And it's a crime when people don't do what they're supposed to do. And they were hired to do it. Yes right. or no. For me, that's a crime. Yeah. But yeah. it's not about being a policeman. It's about having a system that empowers people to know what to do, when to do it and how to do it and reward them for it. Right. I'm fine with making mistakes. I'm fine with my son. He's five years old. I'm fine with him making mistakes. Yeah, it's brilliant because that's how he's going to learn. I let him go make those mistakes. I'm not in there correcting him because then it's not going to help him. Let him make the mistakes. It's okay to make a mistake. It's not okay to do nothing. Yeah. Mistakes are okay if they're honest mistakes and it's something that hasn't been trained on before. But if you were trained on it and you said you knew it and then you made the mistake, then it might be complacency or something else. So yeah, the beauty of the platform is everyone is tested too. You cannot advance in the learning management system. You cannot advance unless you are tested. You have to, it's interactive. You have to take a test. You have to pass the test or else you don't get the certificate and you don't get the reward. Yeah, that's amazing. That's an amazing feature. It sounds very plug and play for any sales team to get into your software and get up and running without having to worry about how are we going to train the staff? How are we going to figure out how to use it? How are we going to make sure they understand how to use it? Because it's built right in. Is there any minimum user licensing or is it just? There is currently there is not. And the value stack is right now, it's like having HubSpot, Zendesk, LeapSum, which is performance management, and all these different other softwares. Yeah, you have listed here. It's like having HubSpot and MailChimp and Teachable. 
Leapsum and Zendesk. So yeah, there's a really big feature set here for sure. That kind of that's the value stack. That's yeah. so you can go out there and you can integrate those all into one, and it costs you about three hundred fifty bucks a month per user, or you can use the sales machine and it's fifty bucks. Yeah, very. It's definitely affordable. Very affordable. Yeah. How many like users or how big is this currently? How are you? getting subscribers how fast is it growing what's your vision and plan for the sales machine well our actually our my my personal goal for the sales machine and we're going to market next month in october we'll start running ads is to help a thousand companies within the next two years empower and grow their companies with the sales machine and currently we just we are in beta and we've got about 35 different people using the platform we use it internally already and so the goal is a thousand companies in the next two years and your website looks great see i think i've been on your website in the past i don't know when this website came i don't know when you spun this up but i don't remember this home page but it's a really it's a gorgeous looking home page and your software is very aesthetically pleasing well, looks easy to navigate, easy to understand. Looks like it has a nice flow. So from like a usability standpoint, it looks great. I get complaints from people like we, we like the software. We wish it was easier to use. Of course, they might say that about anything, but still sometimes I'm like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You guys just need to do a little bit more, more training. Wink. Like you said, it's an ongoing thing. So. <laughs> well, there, there are real statistics and people out there and research agencies that actually study it. And 67% of all the CRMs that companies buy are not even utilized. Yeah, I've heard those statistics. I have, yeah, in my experience, 15 years of doing that sort of work, usually the biggest problem is, number one, company bought the wrong CRM. Number two, it was never configured properly for their use case by someone who knows how to configure it properly. And then number three, there's no training uh, or very poor training for the staff and there's no accountability and like those. And then maybe another thing would be they never really fully work the system into their existing workflow. So like they just use it as a spreadsheet a lot of times. So those are the main things. Yeah. Within our platform, you can actually, wherever you're at in the platform, when you go in and it's like mission control. Even for salespeople, for marketers, if you want to run a marketing campaign, you jump into the system. You want to go over all of the different leads or contacts or deals and opportunities you have, you jump into the system. And anywhere in the system, you can make a phone call. You can send an email. You can use WhatsApp. You can reach out to your contacts. And everything is captured. And we manage, track, and measure that conversation. You can put in your notes from that conversation. So it's really a valuable, it has valuable tools within the system so that you don't have to be all over the place using different software to navigate and or capture conversations. What's, are you going after any specific verticals to grow your user base? Any particular types of businesses or verticals or niches or team sizes? And what's, what's your main channels of acquisition going to be? Do you know, or can you share any of that? Yeah. Well, as far as our advertising and our marketing is concerned, 
you'll be sourcing or prospecting from LinkedIn and running ads on Google. And then the ultimate companies we want to work with are companies that have 10 or more salespeople, regardless of industry. The industry doesn't really matter. The sales machine will allow you to increase your sales, increase the performance of your people, and maximize the profits that you earn by saving you time and saving you money. And is there currently, do you have a trial for people when they sign up or a demo or how do you that's like in, this? That's in the works. And it's so funny because when you ask me the question, a lot of clients that we've reached out to, and we already have a funnel of clients for onboarding. We just haven't done it yet because based on their requirements and the beta testing we did, rather than just have a one size fits all within the free trial, we're doing roles. So like whether you're a customer service agent, when you sign up for your free trial, all the dashboards will be relative to you and stuff that's in the marketing will be turned off because it's not for you. Right. If you're in marketing, you click on the free trial and the free trial will be just for the marketing dashboards for you. If you're in sales, everything will be turned on for sales for you. Now, if you're the CEO or you're a super user, then everything in the system can be turned on for you. And what's amazing with our software, which is really cool, is when you go in, if you're a super user, every role that you set up, you get to choose the KPIs of your people and you just toggle switch everything on that you want them to see. And if you don't want them to see it, turn it off. That sounds so, so simple. It's, it's very easy to administrate, right? Yeah, because, yeah. and we want it easy. You don't need to be seeing stuff that is not relative to you. That's going to create confusion. Yeah, confusion, confused, yeah. A confused mind doesn't act. Confused <laughs> no. mind doesn't buy. Yeah, awesome. So a lot of the CRMs out there should have been named Frozen because a lot of <laughs> yeah. people, when they go on there, they freeze up. They're like, what do I do with this thing? Yeah, it can be overwhelming. Well, that's awesome. So I'm definitely going to keep my eye on this. I'm probably going to grab myself a trial and take it for a test spin. I'd love to see exactly the in, ins and outs and how it's functioning and what the features look like when you're actually using them. Yeah, and the website's going to be updated. There's going to be not just the free trial with roles, but you can watch there's a video there of how this sales machine actually works. And then there's going to be a demo video put up on the site too because people are busy, right? When they're running through the airport or they're doing different things, we're gonna have a, a video demo that's gonna walk you through the entire platform, as well as just the introduction video and the free trial based on role. Okay, gotcha, awesome. And you are taking users right now, if they go to your yes. site or, okay. All right, so anyone can go to the salesmachine.com, sign up for a free trial, and take it for a test drive and see how awesome it is and see if it fits into your business. I'm going to do that myself. And let's end this off with one more question for the audience. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs looking to succeed that you wish you would have known when you started? Honestly, how to take a time out. A lot of times early on in my career, I made a lot of mistakes and my attitude was just keep moving forward. But, and so the timeout allows me now to understand, just like in professional sports, take a timeout and get help. You don't have to do everything on your own. I could have probably saved decades of frustration 
and challenges if I would have just got help from someone who is already an expert at what they do. So when I take time out, I always reflect and I'll give your audience what I call the ultimate success formula. And it's for me, right? Like I said, when I got ripped off and had to start all over, losing millions and millions of dollars, I left Indonesia on a boat and I had to be under the radar to redo work permits and set up a new company in Singapore to go back to Indonesia. And I realized when I was on that boat that I had failed miserably. I lost everything I had, but at one point I took accountability and said, this is never going to happen again. And uh, so I started writing down what went wrong and what I wanted. And I developed a system called the five steps to clarity, clarify where am I at right now in all aspects of my life and business, clarify what do I really want, clarify why do I want it, clarify how I'm going to get it and clarify how this doesn't happen again by clarifying my progress. And that's the first step to the ultimate success formula. But I stop every week what I'm doing. And I also wrote a book called The Life Mastery Playbook. And I do those things every day. And I take a time out every week. So first of all, to be successful consistently and to be able to scale it, you need to get total clarity, number one. Number two, you've got to focus. And the only way to focus is sometimes take a time out. Just like an NBA coach or an NFL coach, if things aren't working, you better stop and, get and reassess. Focus. Yeah. And then finally have a strategic plan. Um, yeah. And that's, that's my gift to you and your listeners, because my goal is to help as many people I possibly can achieve success. Yeah. I think that's, that is a worthy endeavor. I love the age that we're living in where we have the ability to do that. We have the ability through the reach of technology to reach a lot of people, to try to help them. And for those people who are serious about it, it works out pretty good. And it's always nice when I meet someone like yourself, who is very serious about that and passionate about it, because there are some bad eggs in the world. So it's always refreshing to see a lot of good people are out in the world working hard to help people. So thank you for that. You're absolutely welcome. All the best to you and your podcast. It's been a joy being on with you. It was great to have you, John Rankins. Thanks so much, everybody. If you're interested in software that can help your sales team and help your company grow, again, it's thesalesmachine.com. Can't wait to check it out. And thanks so much for being here. All right, man. You take care.